Chapter 7 of Peeps at People Being Certain Papers from the Writings of Anne Warrington Witherup by John Kendrick Banks This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by S.K. Edison, New Jersey Peeps at People Chapter 7 Sir Henry Irving the impression left upon my mind by my curious and intensely dramatic encounter with Zola was of so theatric a nature that I resolved to get back to conventional ground once more through the medium of the stage. I was keyed up to a high pitch of nervous excitement by my unexpected meeting with an unsuspected stepmother, and the easiest return to my norm of equanimity, it seemed to me, lay through the doors of the green room. Hence I sought out London's only actor, Sir Henry Irving. I found him a most agreeable gentleman. He received me cordially on the stage of his famous theatre. There was no setting of any kind. All about us were the bare cold walls of the empty stage, and it was difficult to believe that this very same spot the night before had been the scene of brilliant revels. "'How do you do, Miss Mitherup?' said Sir Henry, as I arrived, advancing with this peculiar stride, which reminds me of dear old Dobbin on my father's farm. "'It is a great pleasure to welcome to England so fair a representative of so fine a press.' "'I wish to see you at home, Sir Henry,' I replied, not deciding to let him see how completely his cordiality had won me, and so affecting a coldness I was far from feeling. "'That is why I have you here, ma'am,' he said." The stage is my home, the boats for me, the flare of the limelights, the pit, the sweet family circle, the auditorium in the dim distance, the footlights. Ah, these are the inspiring influences of my life. The old song, Home is where the heart is, must, in my case, be revised to favour the box office. And instead of the old oaken bucket, the song I sing is the song of the old trapdoor. Did you ever hear the beautiful poem? the song of the old trap-door no sir henry i never did said i i hope to however i'll do it now for you he said and assisting me over the footlights into a box he took the centre of the stage ordered the calcium turned upon him and began how dear to my heart are the scenes of my triumphs in hamlet othello and shylock as well completely confounding the critics who cry hums and casting over others a magic spell how dear to my soul are the fond recollections of thunderous clappings and stampings and roars, as bowing and scraping in many directions, I sink out of sight through the old trap-doors, the old trap-doors, the bold trap-doors, that creaking and squeaking sink down through the floors. I could not restrain my enthusiasm when he had finished. Bravo! I cried, clapping my hands together until my palms ached. More! There is no more, said Sir Henry, with a gratified smile. You see, recited before ten or twenty thousand people, with the same verb that I put into Eugene Aram, or ten little nigger boys, so much enthusiasm is aroused that I cannot go on. The applause never stops, so of course a second verse would be a mere waste of material. Quite so, I observed. Then a thought came to me, which I resolved to turn to my profit. Sir Henry, I said, I'll bet a box of cigars against a box for your performance tonight that I can guess who wrote that poem for you in one guess. Done, he replied eagerly. Austin, said I. 
Make Miss Witherup out a ticket for Box A for the Merchant of Venice tonight, cried the famous actor to his secretary. How the deuce did you know? Oh, that was easy, I replied, much gratified at having won my wager. I don't believe anyone else could have thought of a rhyme to triumphs like cry homs. You have a wonderful insight, remarked Sir Henry. But come, Miss Witherup, I did not mean to receive you in a box or on a bare stage. What is your favourite style of interior decoration? His question puzzled me. I did not know, but that possibly Sir Henry's words were a delicate method of suggesting luncheon, and then it occurred to me that this could not possibly be so at that hour, one o'clock. Actors never eat at hours which seem regular to others. I hazarded an answer, however, and all was made clear at once. I have a leaning towards the Empire style, said I. Sir Henry turned immediately and rode upward into the drops. Hi, Billy, said the third act of Sans Jean, and tell my valet to get out my Bonaparte's. The lady has a leaning towards the Empire. Excuse me for one moment, Miss Witherup, he added, turning to me. If you'll remain where you are, until I have the room ready for you, I'll join you there in five minutes. The curtain was immediately lowered, and I sat quietly in the box, as requested, wondering greatly what was going to happen. Five minutes later, the curtain rose again, and there, where all had been bare and cheerless, I saw the brilliantly lit room, wherein Bonaparte, as Emperor, has his interview with his ex-laundress. It was cosy, comfortable, and perfect in every detail, and while I was admiring, who should appear at the rare entrance but Bonaparte himself, or rather, Sir Henry made up as Bonaparte. "'Dear me, Sir Henry,' I cried delightedly, "'you do me too much honour. "'That were impossible,' he replied gallantly. "'Still, lest you be embarrassed by such preparations to receive you, "'let me say that this is my invariable custom, "'and when I know in advance of the tastes of my callers, "'all is ready when they arrive. "'Unfortunately, I have had to keep you waiting "'because I did not know your tastes. "'Do you mean to say that you adapt your scenery "'and personal makeup to the likings of the individual who calls?' I cried, amazed. Always, said he, it is easy, and I think courteous. For instance, when the Archbishop of Canterbury calls upon me, I have Canterbury Cathedral set here, and wear vestments, and receive him in truly ecclesiastical style. The organ is kept going, and lines of choir-boys suitably garbed pass constantly in and out. When the King of Denmark called, I had the throne-room scene of Hamlet set, and we talked with his majesty sitting on the throne, and myself clad as a melancholy prince, reclining on a rug before him. He expressed himself as being vastly entertained. It gave him pleasure, and was no trouble to me beyond giving orders to the stage manager. Then, when an old boyhood friend of mine, who had gone wrong, came to see me, hearing that he was an inebriate, as well as a thief, I received him in the character of Dubos, in the attic scene of the Lion's Mail, a very interesting plan, said I, and one which I should think would be much appreciated by all. True, replied Sir Henry, and then he laughed. It never failed but once, said he, and then it wasn't my fault. Old Beerbaum Tree came to visit me one morning, and I had the graveyard scene of Hamlet set, and myself appeared as a crushed tragedian. I thought Tree had some sense of humour and could appreciate the joke, but I was mistaken. He got as mad as a hatter, and started away in a rage. If he hadn't fallen into the grave on the way out, I'd never have had a chance to explain that I didn't mean anything by it. 
By this time I had clambered back to the stage again, and was about to sit down on one of the very handsome Empire sofas in the room, when Sir Henry gave a leap of at least two feet in the air, and roared with rage. "'Send the property man here!' he cried, trembling all over and turning white in the face. "'Send him here! Bring him in chains! If he is upstairs, throw him down! If he is downstairs, put him in a catapult and throw him up! It matters not how he comes, as long as he comes!' I shrank back in terror. The man's rage seemed almost ungovernable, and I observed that he held a poker in his hand. Up and down the room he strode, muttering imprecations upon the property man, until I felt that if I did not wish to see murder done, I would better withdraw. "'Excuse me, Sir Henry,' said I, rising and speaking timidly. "'I think perhaps I'd better go.' "'Sit down,' he retorted imperiously, pointing at the sofa with the poker. I sat down, and just then the property man arrived. "'Want me, Sir Henry?' he said. Irving gazed at him with a terrible frown wrinkling his forehead for a full minute, during which it seemed to me that the whole building trembled, and I could almost hear the seats in the top gallery creak with nervousness. "'Want you?' he retorted witheringly. "'Yes, I want you. As a nusher, perhaps. As a flunky to announce that a carriage waits. As a Roman citizen to say hi-hi. But as a property man, never.' There was another ominous pause and I could see that the sarcasm of the master sank deeply into the soul of the hireling. "'What have I done, Sir Henry?' asked the trembling property man. "'What have you done?' roared Sir Henry. "'Look upon that poker and see!' The man looked and sank, sobbing to the floor. "'Heaven help me!' he moaned. "'I have a sick grandfather, Sir Henry,' he added. "'I was up with him all night.' The great man immediately became all tenderness. Throwing the poker to one side, he sprang to where his unfortunate property man lay, and raised him up. "'Why the devil didn't you say so?' he said sympathetically. "'I don't know it, Henderson, my dear old boy. Never mind the poker. Let it go. I forgive you that. Here, take this twenty-pound note, and don't come back until your grandfather is well again.' It was a beautiful scene, and so pathetic that I almost wept. The property man rose to his feet and putting the twenty-pound note in his pocket, walked dejectedly away. Sir Henry turned to me, and said, his voice husky with emotion, "'Pardon me, Miss Witherup. I was provoked.' "'It was a magnificent scene, Sir Henry,' said I. "'But what was the matter with the poker? I thought it rather a good one.' "'It is,' said he, sitting down in a small chair and twiddling his thumbs. "'But you see, this is an empire scene, and that confounded thing is a Marie Antoinette poker.' Why, if that had happened at a public performance, I should have been ruined. Might not Bonaparte have used a Marie Antoinette poker? I asked to draw him out. Bonaparte, Miss Witherup, he answered, might have done anything but that. You see, by the time he became emperor, every bit of household stuff in the palace had been stolen by the French mobs. Therefore it is fair to assume that the palace was entirely refurnished when Bonaparte came in, and as at that time there was no craze for Louis Quinn's, or Louis C's, or Louis numbered this, that, and the other, it is not at all probable that Napoleon would have taken the trouble to snoop around the second-hand shops for a poker of that kind. Indeed, it is more than probable that everything he had in the palace was absolutely new. What a wonderful mind you must have, Sir Henry, to think of these things. I said enthusiastically. Miss Witherup, said the actor knight impressively, 
this is an age of wonderful minds and there are so many of them that he who wishes to rise above his fellows must be careful of every detail would i have been a knight today had it not been for my care of details never it would have gone to willie adoon or to my friend tree or to some other actor of the same grade my principle miss witherup is not original i look after the details and the results take care of themselves it is the old proverb of the pennies and the pounds all over again it is wisdom i said oracularly but it must be wearing oh no said sir henry with a gesture of self-deprecation there are so many details that i've had to make up a staff of advisers as a matter of fact i'm not a man i'm a combination of men in the popular mind i embody the wisdom the taste the culture the learning of many in fact miss witherup while i'm not london london finds artistic expression in me and you are coming to america again i asked rising for i felt i ought to go i was so awed by the humble confession of my host some day said he when times are better why sir henry i cried you who have just given twenty pounds to your property man can surely afford to cross i referred madam he interrupted to times in america for i contemplate charging five dollars a stall when next i visit you you see my next visit will be the first of a series of twenty farewell seasons which i propose to make in the states which i love dearly don't forget that please which i love dearly i want your people to know i shall not sir henry said i holding out my hand good-bye say au revoir he replied i shall surely see you at tonight's performance and so we parted on the way down the strand back to my rooms i met the property man who was evidently waiting for me excuse me miss said he but you saw saw what said i how he called me down about the mary antoinette poker he replied nervously yes said i i did well it was all arranged beforehand miss so that you would be impressed by his love for and careful attention to details that's all said he we other fellows at the lyceum has some pride miss and we want you to understand that sir henry isn't the only genius on the programme by good long odds it's not knowing that that made her majesty the queen make her mistake i don't know mr henderson that her majesty had made a mistake said i coldly well she did miss she knighted sir henry as a individual when she ought to have knighted the whole blooming theatre those others than him as does it he observed proudly king somebody knighted a piece of steak why couldn't the queen knight the theatre which struck me as an idea of some force although i'm a great admirer of a man who like sir henry can dominate an institution of such manifest excellence End of chapter seven